All right. I had to switch it to the quality mic. Nice. I remember that one. Is that the same one you had? Yeah. 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 I think we had two, right? We were. Because it was, we both needed one. Yeah. (laughs) That was the big advancement in my podcasting was having two microphones so that I could adjust volume after the fact because my voice is too loud. Is it? Well, it's bassy, right? And and microphones pick up lower registers louder. Mm-hmm. Something about moving the air. I will I will jump in right now. All right. Welcome to Discover Indie Film. I'm your host Jeff Howard, and I'm very excited. I've got filmmaker Brett Nicoletti on Zoom. Hey, Brett. Hey, Jeff. All right, and uh, hey, this is going to be a fun podcast because. Brett and I have a familiarity with each other. Uh, His film, Greg is Here, was at Film Invasion Los Angeles last year in 2022, which was in June. And that was the second time Brett had had a film there. Uh, You had the film Running Man of Pasadena there, I believe in 2019. Yes. Yep. So two films, three years apart. A little something happened in between that we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. Uh, by the way, we are on Zoom. It's a rainy day in January of Los Angeles. We're both in the L.A. area, but I'm glad we chose Zoom because I'm glad you didn't have to drive in this weather. Yeah, me too. Well, everything is Zoom now, right? It's just uh, Zoom everybody. <laughs> Zoom everything. But I mentioned Zoom so that I can apologize in advance if the audio quality isn't wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if I am way too loud compared to Brett, I wish there was something I could do about it. But uh, such as Zoom, I'm counting on Zoom for balancing so anyhow i'm sure it'll do a great job thank you well let me add in that greg is here joined running man of pasadena greg of here greg greg is here is in the discover indie film tv series it's in season seven which i'm very excited about in fact it plays with a very unique original documentary so it's there are two documentaries i think in do you know your episode number i didn't look it up. Uh, i don't i don't know it shame on me i normally look it up but uh, it plays with, with a film called Pre-Existing Condition, and then Greg is here. They're awesome. So go to Amazon Prime Video, search for Discover Indie Film, and uh, please purchase Season 7. I believe it's uh, $7.99 for 24 indie films. I mean, come on. It's the best stuff from the festival circuit, so... I recommend people watch Discover Indie Film. Hey, it is the TV series that was born out of this podcast. And I will add that, yeah, so Greg and I are chatty and friendly because I've known you three years now. Yeah. Four fact, years. You you came over to my house in, in 2019, and we did a podcast all about you and Running Man of Pasadena. Yes, we did. Yeah. And so for those who want to listen to it, that was number 108. Hard to believe that was podcast number 108. Believe it or not, I believe this one we're recording right now is going to be like in the 340s. Amazing. Congratulations. I have uh, I have lost my mind. I only uh, I tell you it's 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 too much. It's wonderful though. It's lovely. What a great job though. I mean that's, you know, just to speak about people's crafts all day. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. It is. It is. I'll just jo- and you know the pod, the pay for podcasting is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I guess the funny thing right. is Apple went through all, but everyone put us through this stuff to subscribe. And I'm like, I just can't imagine charging people to listen to these podcasts. I just can't. Is that even, is that even a thing? Does anybody, I mean, I know there's ad 
ads on these. On There's Black ads, and they they upgraded stuff. I believe Apple and other services like. Uh, well, I like I love that guy Preet Bharara, who used to be. Uh, I like his podcast a lot, and his you hear like the first half of an interview, and it's like if you want to become a member, it's a dollar a month, and I'm like. I love you, man, but a dollar a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of dollars a month. $4 a month, $9 a month. I've got plenty of those. Right. <laughs> Add another one. Dude, Brett just gave me the best segue. You said the words, how about four twenty a month? Yeah, there you go. I will mention that for $4.20 a month, uh, if anyone understands what four twenty is normally used for... Editor's note, every time I say hi TV, I should have actually said TV high. The service has been rebranded. It is called TV high, as in watchtvhigh.com, T-V-H-I. And you can learn more about it on social media if you go to at watchtvhigh. And that's always T-V-H-I. Back to the podcast. Fun little way to try to get films out for people, which is a smart TV app called Hi TV. I guess it's basically a streaming service, smart TV app slash streaming service. For four twenty a month, you get uh, films that are absolutely wonderful to watch high is the idea behind it. Although I can promise, just like Greg's films are wonderful, these documentaries are great to watch sober, perfectly sober. But if you are the kind of person who enjoys uh, legally, if you live somewhere where it's legal, I do. But if you enjoy uh, a little THC, whether you're smoking it or doing an edible or whatever, and you're looking for something wonderful to watch in that state, I can promise you everything on high TV has been custom tailored. Oh, shit. <laughs> you could have corrected me in person. <laughs> I the Greg is here thing. I know it's common. <laughs> Is it common? Does it happen to you a lot? Well, it's actually uh, Greg and Brett. Like when I go to Starbucks, like Greg is like a common misnamed. Uh, you know, people will miss. You know, will think that I said Greg when I said Brett. Um, yeah. So, so those can't actually... figure it out. Brett, who I called Brett all through the intro, and then somehow when I say Greg is here, I started calling you Greg. And so he sent me like the text message on Zoom. You keep calling me Greg. <laughs> And by the way, uh, Brett, you rarely curse, but I curse. So I'm I'm going to say, fuck, man. I can't believe I, I – here I am saying how. I've known right, him for three man. years, and I'm calling him by the name of the subject of his film. <laughs> Most recent film. Yes. yes. So anyway, of course, I uh, should I use weed as an, as an excuse? Like maybe it's because I got hot. Yeah, maybe. Night. Yeah, yeah. Or this morning. With your I got high store. I never. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an evening person myself. Okay. But, okay. But maybe, maybe I was watching submissions for high TV, mm -hmm. and you know, it just uh, no. no it's not. Haze in there. It is. It is not from any impairment other than being in my mid fifties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a single syllable. There's an e in there. It's forgivable. <laughs> forgivable yet. Uh, I, anyway, there we go. We're not going to redo it. No edits. No edits. Nice. All right, Brett. So when you were here last time, when you were on this podcast, we talked all about your history, so we don't have to go over that. But it is true that your podcast was August 2019, which means the last time we sat and talked for a long time was was half. I mean, COVID hit mm -hmm. five yeah. months later. And yep. I know for your work, it affected you. So, uh, do you want to talk about what life was like, uh, wrapping up 
the Running Man of Pasadena, you know, actually, I guess by the time you did the podcast, you would you would wrap that up as far as festivals. Um, but you want to want to share what happened with your life since? Yeah, well, I mean, like everybody, you know, everything changed forever. Um, you know, I'm a, um, t- I, I, I'm sure we discussed. Um, I'm a career editor, so I, I edit uh, commercials, TV shows, films for clients, um, all over the world, really. And a lot of times, um, that, um, required me to commute. So I had a lot of clients on the West side. So I live in Pasadena. Um, so did a ton of commuting to edit TV commercials, TV shows, uh, my whole career, 20 plus years now. And uh, I was in the middle of one of those uh, when, you know, in early 2020, and I was working on a job for a high-end tech commercial client. And um, uh, COVID happened. And just like with everybody else, we we went, you know, dark for a week and then slowly started like figuring out how to do the work remotely. And it's just never changed since. I've basically been remote. Um I would say 95% of my projects, my edit projects, um, since, um, since COVID started have been remote and I can't say that it's been a bad thing. I mean, the only, the only, um, the only bad thing about it is that you really are not going to get it. Uh, it's there, there's nothing quite like sitting in a room with somebody and just going, Hey, how about we try this? You try it you make a decision right then and there, you know, the, um, you both have a reaction either positive or negative. Um, and you can get through things much quicker and, um, you know, you can be more productive when you've got people in the room with you, even if, you know, it's getting a little bit better with these sort of remote, uh, edit, uh, um, sessions that we're doing now, like with the jump desktop is one, a piece of software that I've been using quite a bit where I've got the client, um, looking at the same timeline I am and then we're, our mics are both on and we, we can, uh, uh, play and play and stop playing pause and chat about what's going on, but it's still not quite the same, right? You're not looking somebody in the eye. It's just, um, so that changed quite a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And there must be something right when you're sitting in an editing bay and the person you're collaborating with like points at the screen and describes something they're seeing. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's hard Especially to do with- virtually with commercials and all the graphics, um, you know, it becomes very, uh, you know, it's very visual and every frame counts because commercials are either 15 seconds or 30 seconds. Generally, um, that's all changing now, of course, with Instagram and, you know, six second ads for, uh, social media. Um, so, um, so, I started doing remote jobs, you know, it was, uh, everybody was figuring stuff out. So finding work was a challenge. Um, but I was, I was cobbling together projects here and there to, to make a living. Um, I had also right before COVID I had filmed, um, I had filmed something for an organization called Repair Cafe International, which is a uh, nonprofit um, that was started in Amsterdam, uh, I think maybe 10, 15 years ago by a woman named Martine Postma. Um, I had read an article about uh, Repair Cafe Pasadena um, in the Pasadena Star News, which is the local Pasadena newspaper. And I went down there and uh, I remember reading the article and I was sitting next to my daughter and I was like, this is a movie. And, um, and basically the organization 
try to be as uh, kind of brief as I can about it, but it is a nonprofit organization that um, brings community members together who are handy, who can, you know, uh, fix stuff and members of the community that have broken stuff, bring their broken stuff to this uh, event happens once a month and the handy people fix the broken stuff uh, for free. So, you know, you've got uh, lamps, pair of jeans that are ripped that need to be sewed, um, coffee makers, uh, you know, radios, jewelry, um, knife sharpening. Um, you know, there, there's a masseuse on hand usually. So they do body fixing, um, bicycles. So it's a really, really positive um organization. And now there's 2,500 of these worldwide, at least, um, everywhere, Moscow, South Africa, you know, Brazil, um, there's that 500 in the States. Um, I'm, I'm just throwing out numbers here. I'm sure I'm completely wrong on most of them. Um, but, uh, but I had already filmed the Pasadena event, two, two Pasadena events. I interviewed the uh, founder Martin in over zoom and you know she was in Amsterdam that that interview happened during COVID like at the very beginning um and I had already interviewed some uh local volunteers here in Pasadena I put together so during the beginning of COVID I was like I'm gonna cut this thing together put that together and um so that was one that was uh one film project that I uh, finished that went on the Repair Cafe website um a lot of great feedback and uh, Greg Marquez was a uh, was the knife sharpener for Repair Cafe, <laughs> and so that's where I met Greg. Of uh, Greg is here, um, and uh, and how always sort of like was very attracted to him immediately. Reminded me of my grandfather. Um, very you know just a wonderful, warm gentleman who uh, you know everybody loved. Everybody was drawn to. Um, so. As COVID went on, um, Greg saw the Repair Cafe film, loved it. He said, why isn't this on YouTube? And I said, it's, it's coming. I just haven't gotten there yet. Um, and uh, and then I said, hey, what are you, you know, are you comfortable with me coming over and I can see what you're up to, you know? Because um, again, you know, it's it kind of slow times. I had a lot, a lot more time on my hand than normal. And I went and saw Greg and um, and we got together and he was writing a book and he was building this Hugo culture garden and he was working on a sculpture. Um, and he had all these like crazy wood sculptures all around his house. And he had like an acre up in Altadena and just lived this sort of, um, bohemian lifestyle. Um, uh, he had told me this didn't make the film, but he had like ayahuasca ceremonies on his, on his, um, property of a handful of times in the last couple of years. Um, really interesting guy lives a really interesting life. And so I just decided that I just wanted to spend some time with him. And so I brought my camera and we just, uh, we did some interviews and we, uh, we, we worked on some project. He worked on some projects and I filmed him and, uh, sculpting, writing, helping out his community members who needed help. Um, and you know, that's kind of, that was, I spent a year, I spent a year and a half just kind of like filming and editing and filming and editing. So um, and that's, that's where the movie, uh, that's how Greg is here, you know, came together. It was just really just a personal project that happened, uh, during COVID. Um, yeah. 
and in and around that, lots of commercial projects. I directed a, a four-part docuseries for the Mystic Seaport Museum in Mystic, Connecticut um, last year, um, just as, just as uh, people were starting to kind of get back back into it a little bit. Um, that was fantastic. You know, I had an actual film crew with me. It wasn't just me and my camera. I actually got to, somebody else shot it and I just told them what you, <laughs> it's nice when that happens occasionally. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're laughing at yourself. I mean, you are a hundred percent a director, even when you're your one man crew. Yeah. But I guess it felt like being a director when you didn't have to wear all the other hats. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I mean, yes. I, I mean, wasn't feeling like a director. I always feel like a director when I'm, you know, making the decisions, whether I'm shooting or not, it's just nice to have somebody who like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a cameraman, you know, I mean, I, I can, you know, the, what you see in Greg is here or the running man, that's uh, the best one percent of all the footage I filmed. Right, so, fourteen minutes of film of uh, of final film, but you know, tens of hours of footage, and you know, it just takes. Like, I'm just not. Um, I'm not a cameraman. I'm not a cinematographer. You know, like I know what I like, and I can, and, and when I'm in the editing room, you know, I'll, I'll find the pieces that that work best. But um, it's really nice to have somebody a pro who, um, you know knows what what lens to put on in a certain situation and knows what the lighting is supposed to especially lighting i mean lighting an interview all of my interview lighting all of the lighting in the interviews that i film um i always tend to like i'm going to put them next to a window i know i'll have plenty of natural light there i'll do it at you know sunrise or sundown i know i'm going to be like in a safe space right maybe put a light on their face um but uh when you need to properly let an interview, you can't always rely on that, especially you don't know what location you're going to be in. So uh, lighting is like major, major um, help. So we had uh, on the mystic thing, we had, I had a cinematographer, I had a, um, like a gaffer grip person, a couple of PAs. I wish I had hired a producer, but in order to get the job, I was trying to keep the budget down. And I was like, oh, I can produce this thing, but I definitely needed a, a producer as well. Somebody to handle like, scheduling calendar meals um you know i'm i'm interviewing somebody and then i'm like on my phone ordering everybody's lunch <laughs> you know like this is not what i want to be doing right, <laughs> right. so you staffed up you 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 added you added you crewed up and added all these wonderful professionals to help you with certain things and like and now that creates the need for another professional to manage all the professional or manage the needs of all these professionals yeah 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 that, that person's called a line producer or a production coordinator and it's not creating anything the person actually exists for a reason and uh you know like managing the people who are gonna hey this interview is going a little long uh let me reach out to the next person to let them know we're gonna be a half an hour late now that was me doing all that stuff um and so and then doing the schedule when I got home at night to my Airbnb in Connecticut, um, typing up like what we're doing tomorrow and sending that out to everybody and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, it's fine. You know, we've worked out great. It's a great experience. But now I know that that next time I will not be <laughs> doing that job. Um, Absolutely. Well, you know, it's fun. So I'm going to I'm going to call back to something you said a bit earlier which is you you joked about using the best 1% of your cinematography does that mean that you're you're when you're editing your own your own docs are you i mean you is it a balance between 
choosing the best images and and the storytelling, or is it really more storytelling? Uh, well, the storytelling is first and foremost, certainly. Um, and um, so I will with a with a with something like Greg or the Running Man, I will I will craft the story together based on the interviews and maybe some um, like verite scenes that I may have been able to been lucky enough to be a part of, you know, just depending on, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, he'll have a, you know, like for Greg, it will be a project that he's working on, like uh, helping his friend install a bed into his RV. You never know if that's going to be something that's, um, turns out to be a, a, a nice scene or not. Sometimes it won't. We had a scene where he, um, and that, that ended up being great and ended up being a major part of the story. And I was able to use interview bites, interview lines, uh, from Greg that supported what you were seeing in the RV and wasn't necessarily when we did the interview, we weren't necessarily talking about that, but his philosophies fed into that, what you were seeing there. Uh, we had another scene where he took out all of his 10 sculpture wood sculptures, um, uh, and, and was sort of did like a demo to a gentleman who was visiting him that day. I didn't use anything, not a piece of sound. I don't think, there might have been like one piece of sound I ended up using from that day, but I didn't use anything from that day because it just wasn't, it just didn't work. I don't, I don't know. You know, I can't say any, anything else other than it just, you know, I learned a little bit about the sculptures from my own knowledge, but, um, but that scene didn't make it, you know, because it just wasn't, it just didn't fit with the rest. So, but I will always put this, the story together, uh, based on, um, dialogue from interviews and dialogue from verite and then i will i will know if there's visuals that are needed right that i need to then go get right i'll just go i'll i'll, I'll have the scene um put together and i'll call and i would call up greg and say hey i've got to come over and get some gardening footage because we've talked about this and we need to get i need to get some of the so um so then i'll think about the shots and try and you know, cra you know, try and make them look as pretty as I can. Um, but a lot of that is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get wide. I'm going to get close. And I know eventually I'll find something, <laughs> but, uh, I think a cinematographer would be able to, um, kind of like look at a scene and be like, this is what we want and be much more efficient when he's filming or she's filming. Um, Maybe be more efficient, but the way you do it, it works. And, and yeah. it obviously makes sense that instead of shooting tons and tons of stuff and then go diving into the editing room, you start putting it together and see things you need. I guess that's an advantage of doing people who are local to you and, and whatnot. And I love you mentioning the, I mean, when you talk about the verite moments, you know, I can't help but think of the joke that, that Greg tells on screen. And yeah, Jack and Joe. And yeah. His, his on-screen audience, the woman he's telling the joke to, does not get the punchline. And then he continues yeah. trying to explain the joke. And it's just wonderful and hilarious. And I assume that's that's a verite moment that you certainly yes. weren't planning. No, no, not at all. I mean, it was a completely, you know, it was very, very fortunate that I was able to get it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just th three old people walking down a hill, right? And so he decides to tell this Jack and Jill story because they're all struggling. He wasn't struggling. The other two were, were definitely like having a hard time getting down there. And then that's just Greg, right? That's like a, his personality in a nutshell. Like he's, uh, he is like warm and giving and loving and he, he will, um, 
he's a great listener. Um, but he also can noodle people if he, <laughs> if he wants to. And because he's 84 years old, he's allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. Right. <laughs> Cause he's, he's now the elder, uh, person in the room all the time. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it's not mean spirited. It's just, uh, it's all in good fun always, you know, and, uh, Pia got a little hotheaded. You know, she got a little, little <laughs> upset, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, they have, they have a great history and they're friends and you know, and that's how it goes. They're friends. You know, those are friends too. That's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes your your films so delightful is that you're telling a story. I obviously, like the so the repair cafe thing might have been the the source of the story, and you show Greg going to one and this and that. But then you also make it, you know, it's it's a wonder, it's it's a lovely balance, I think, between uh, what would it be called, like social consciousness and and what this person's goals are and and philosophies and things and, and the story. And then a personality piece where we get to know someone who, like you said, everyone who meets Greg Marquez wants to be his friend and wants to, you know, he even has some gatherings, right? You, but, but yeah, so, so we get to hang out with a person and it feels fun and natural. And then we also, you know, I mean, fascinating stuff about water conservation and, and environmentalism. And my God, I was just so, so impressed with, with, with him and of course, I think I always make a point of saying it when when we're uh, sitting on the stage at the theater doing a Q and A, which is, which is, your filmmaking and your editing is so good that we just enjoy the people you're putting on screen, and we don't even think about the filmmaking. It just it just permeates into us that like now I know who Greg Marquez is. Um, I can't remember the Running Man's name, but. Yeah. Well, it's a hike Zakarian. Hike, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh and also, you know, it just occurs to me as we are uh two white guys, two middle-aged white guys talking on Zoom that also your subjects uh hike is, you know, we live in Los Angeles and Los Angeles has thriving communities and and I consider it a wonderful melting pot in my hometown. And you know, Greg is is uh is Mexican American, right? Uh, Filipino, Filipino American. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And has an amazing personal story you tell, but yeah, I mean, I've been friends with Filipino Americans my whole life living here. And, and, and certainly the Armenian community is, is so, and these are underrepresented communities that you're not hitting us over the head with, Hey, the people who aren't, uh, white Christians are contributing to our culture. You're just, you're just highlighting how the, these wonderful personalities, and these wonderful people who, who are doing something for the world. Yeah. Well, person's a person, right. You know, and, and LA agree. is such a great, LA is such a great, it's, it's our strongest asset, right? It's like, you know, your, your neighbors don't look like you, you know, most of the time, you know, we're, we're, we're all, we're all very different, but we're all very similar. Um, and And thankfully we kind of stopped noticing, right. Which is, which is, uh, well now I'm, uh, if I I was about to joke about regions of our country that may not like that, but, but but yeah, it's, 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 it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to just stop noticing. 
Yeah. And, you know, and the, the, the repair cafe organization seems to attract, you know, what, what's great about that organization in particular diversity aside, um, it's just a bunch of positive do-gooders, <laughs> you know, people who, who like just want to be part of the community and just want to meet neighbors and just want to help people out. And they have f- sort of figured out that actually, um, helping somebody, is, you know, giving more is, is you're getting more out of it yourself than, than if you just, uh, you know, try and be a, uh, somebody who, you know, doesn't want to spend their time, uh, volunteering for three hours on a Saturday morning, uh, because it's a hassle, you know, and it's really, it's more like six hours when you come to prep and all that. Um, and, but they are all friends, you know, that, that little pizza party at Greg's houses are all repair cafe people. Those are all people who volunteer for the organization. Um, and, uh, and they've all got, you know, nothing. I mean, they're, uh, they're just warm and, and lovely to hang out with. And I'm just so grateful to have, um, kind of like tapped into that a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a member. I don't fix stuff, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that was, uh, you know, but it, it's great to have access to the, those people to have met them and to see, um, you know, this is something that I would, you know, probably 90% of Pasadena doesn't even know that it exists, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and you may not fix stuff, but you, you made, you made, you shot something for them and, 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 and it's on their website. I mean, I was going to add the, uh, social, whatever you want to call it, the, the consciousness thing of, of their sparing things being thrown in landfills. I mean, that's, that's, you know, they're, they're having a great time and they are helping individuals who don't want to have to buy a new lamp, but also keeping lamps out of the garbage, which is amazing. Yeah. That's the whole point. That's, that's the concept. I mean, Martine is, um, you know, she's an unbelievable woman and she's, you know, she's very much, uh, driven to make this thing, you know, uh, the, you know, sort of a household name, you know, she, she really, I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, these things all exist. They're, they're, uh, either they're going to stay in your homes or they're going into a landfill. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, you know, maybe, maybe they're going to the thrift shop and, and going to somebody else's home, which is also great. Um, but they got to work first, you know? And so, um, uh, a broken toaster is not going to do anybody any good. Um, but most of the time these sort of household appliances, like a toaster or a lamp, you know, these, these folks, you know, they just, it's very simple, you know, it takes them 20 minutes, half an hour to fix it. And all, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this works again. Great. I didn't have to throw it away. But most of us, um, are, and I still do it. And even though I know this organization exists and I've got all this computer equipment hanging around, my knee jerk reaction is like, you know, throw it in the trash. That's the easy thing to do, you know, but, um, for sure. Also, yeah. In one's home, it's very easy to get on the anti-clutter parade. And I'll I'll say to the wife all the time, you know what? We don't need more stuff. Let's get rid of this stuff. I just want to get rid of it. And we normally do drop it off at a thrift store or, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, I hope I remember about repair cafe if there's something that's broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's no, great organization. Yeah. Absolutely. Repaircafe.org, I believe. I that is correct. Yes. And they, they, have a, they, have a, they have a little button on there. You find your closest site and they're they're everywhere. Literally everywhere. 
Excellent. Excellent. And so is this just going to continue being a bit of your passion whenever you uh, find a a small, inspiring topic to just make a a short doc about it? Or are you thinking of taking on a bigger or you're just too busy working and making a living and uh, raising kids to to sit down and go, I'm going to put five years into a feature doc? Yeah. I mean, my, my kids are a little bit older, so they, they require less of me now. (laughs) Um, so, um, I would love to take on a a larger project. You know, it's, um, uh, it is very hard to get people to see your short content. You know, I mean, that's part of what I, um, you know, the, what I love about what you're doing, um, is that you are constantly getting, you know, you're one of the few, uh, places that I know that promotes kind of like short form indie content. Um, uh, and I'm very grateful to have met you and to have, uh, uh, you know, gotten my two projects onto your platforms. Um, but you know, with a feature, you have more options, you know, uh, you, you can, um, perhaps reach a wider audience. I mean, ultimately I've been editing my whole life. Um, I like to edit. I don't think I'll ever stop, but I really have sort of found, um, something that I could see doing into my seventies, you know, which is making documentary films. And in order to do that, I need to, um, produce content that is, uh, you know, sellable and the short, the short form, the 14 minute documentary is not, (laughs) there's not a huge, uh, market for, for that, um, for that product. Right. And so, but like, you know, the six episode, uh, series or the feature feature length, uh, whether it's an hour, maybe a little longer than an hour, um, you know, you have way more options and it can maybe start making a living, um, if, if, uh, if I'm, if I'm sorry about that, um, that's my, uh, alarm to let the dogs out because it's supposed to stop raining at this one <laughs> thirty today. Well, if you need me to pause. We can always pause. I mean, dogs, dogs matter too. No, it's okay. I can always walk them. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, not only that, but it's obviously more challenging, right? You know, like a short 10, 12, 14 minute film, um, is challenging, but, um, uh, you know, I've, I've got done that twice now, not, not including the many nonprofit videos that I've repair cafe and, uh, mystic seaport is a, is a nonprofit. Those were all four or five minute pieces. Um, I've done a lot of work with a local charter school I've made a bunch of videos for them. Um, but the, the hour, hour and a half, it's a whole different animal, right? Um, I've, I've edited those, but I've never actually directed them before. So it would be something that I would, yeah, I'm very interested in, um, pursuing. Uh, I have a project that I'm uh, developing right now. Um, it's a very long-term project, uh, partially because I only have a certain amount of time, uh, partially because it just is going to take a long time for this particular organization group to, um, get their feet underneath them. And, and the lots of stuff is going to be happening along the way. They happen to be in Minnesota. That's an issue. Uh, <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I definitely have feature length and endeavors and, and goals. And, um, part of that is, uh, to see that I can do it, challenge myself. Um, the other part of it is to hopefully that, you know, there's a better chance for me to make a living, um, 
as a filmmaker, um, and uh, which includes my editing, but not you know so you know not solely dependent upon my editing uh, background. Yeah, Lord knows it would be wonderful to yes to to not have to edit commercials to fund the docs, but actually have the docs be their own beast does make me wonder. Yeah. It would take so much work. Oh my God. You would need so much help in my, in my mind. I was thinking maybe Brett can, can, you know, do a whole season of, you know, the short form ones and find, you know, 10 fascinating, inspiring people. That's probably as much work as a feature. (laughs) Yeah. Well, with the finding 10 different people that, uh, that, you know, that fit the right sort of, um, yeah. 10 Greg's, you know, yeah. 10 Greg's, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's as much as of a feature as a feature, except for the fact that maybe timeline wise, um, you don't need as much time to, you know, for, for stuff to happen. Right. I mean, you know, the docu-series now are very, are, um, some of them are great. Some of them are less so, um, but they're also like, you know, it's like reality TV almost, right? It's like they're, they've written a script for them and they're, they're very much, um, they're able to, you know, they also have production teams and different directors doing different episodes and, but they're able to put these things together in a year where you get six episodes, um, for a series that are all an hour long in a year, maybe a little more than a year, maybe a little less than a year. And that's because they've like, basically written the story before they've even started shooting. Um, and they go out there and they get it right. Um, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. Listen, <laughs> like, I'm in, I mean, these are real, still real people that you're, um, whose stories you're telling, you're just kind of, um, you know, you're, you're in very much involving them in the, in the, in the, uh, the filmmaking side of it and, uh, kind of putting them in situations that, uh, will help the, help the film, right. Or help the, the episode or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, so, but it's still, you're still, you're still fine. You're still discovering something about, about real people doing real things. Um, and, you know, having an impact in their lives, whether it's positive or negative or, um, socially aware or not, you know? Um, so, um, so the, uh, sadly the streaming services are, uh, uh, they found out that it's 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 viewership gold when they do a a, a creepy cult, right? Like like they're, yeah. they're nonstop hitting us with cult documentaries. You know? <laughs> yeah, or true crime is biggie. True crime, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but it's all you know. I mean, you know, so everybody's going to make a living. Whatever, whatever, whatever is interesting is. Um, is what's going to sell the best. And so, um, I mean, for me, like just being behind the camera, being somebody who, um, gets to sort of drive the story or, or find the story, um, versus somebody who, um, you know, gets handed a bunch of footage, still finding the story there, but very much not the, um, the head creative voice in that. Um, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm, I'm very ready and, and, um, it's, it's a major goal of mine to just be more of sort of like the one who's doing the investigating, the one who's doing the, the research, the one who's asking the questions who, you know, um, 
I, I'm finding, I, I did not think that this was going to be something that I would be interested in, but I've just found that like, there are certain topics that I want, I'm interested in. And if I can't get somebody to shoot it for me, then I, <laughs> I need to shoot it myself, you know? Um, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a goal, you know, certainly. I mean, this podcast should never be about me, but you're reminding me of myself. And then I'm like, you know, if I could just find people to do some of the some of the work related to these things that I don't want to do so I can focus on, you know, I have this actually with the podcast that we are currently recording. I'm like, I wonder if I could find a college kid who would who I could just record them and then say, OK, you throw the music on, you do this, you do that, and then you upload it write the blurb you know it's a funny thing is i'm trying to dodge about a whopping 20 30 minutes of work yeah yeah and yet times what 300 and something podcasts now times times three per week at this point yeah so the other stuff that's not the only thing that you do right i mean the film not the only thing yeah so so yeah they're the idea of of getting help so that you can focus on on the part that matters most to you, I guess is, is mm-hmm. really the way it goes. Yeah. So I know it's how you long, feel. I mean, you'll probably be there in five years, 10 years, right? Like eventually it's going to happen. Like you're going, you're going to have a, a, a team underneath you that are doing those things for you because you're just not going to be able to, you want to time, you know, well, I'll either stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to stop. I mean, heck we're, we're on season seven of the discovery indie film TV series. And I'm like, you know, why would I stop? Season eight, by the way, is kind of fun. Season eight is all dance films. Oh, cool. I got nice. invited by a filmmaker who was at, uh, I think, Film Invasion Los Angeles. Might have been Sherman Oaks Film, but but she uh, started her own dance film festival in, in the UK and sent me an email saying, hey, I really like talking to you. Uh, yeah, I told her how much I enjoy dance film. And she was like, do you want to guest curate for this dance film festival? And I was like, sure. And then I said to her, these films are so amazing. You want you want to, she had me be a guest curator. I'm like, do you want to be a guest curator and do your own, do a season of discovery any film where you just tell me what, what films go in what episodes and we'll put them together and it'll be all dance films for a whole season. And she yeah. said, yes. So I'm rubbing my hands together because She's exactly the kind of person. Plus, I I just think watching dance on film is so wonderful. Nice. Well, congrats. That's amazing. Yeah, and I don't have to work as hard on that season. Yeah, she put it all together for you. Just put your brand on there and call it a day. You know? <laughs> well, That's great. It's, it's it's all fun. That's great. You can always do a dance, Doc. I, I got a fe- good festival for you to get in. Okay. All right. I'm in. Yeah. My, my, my daughter, well, she's now she's in college. So, uh, she was a dancer all through high school, but, uh, not at the moment, but she's an actor. So maybe she'll pick it back up at some point. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So oh, then you would have, you would have really right there. You would have really liked one of the documentaries we had at the Sherman Oaks film festival two months ago in November. It was called dancing dads. And uh, one of the dance academy, a ballet academy uh, in the in the San Fernando Valley, every once a year when they're doing a big recital, they bring out of like about 15 dads and they make the dads learn a very rudimentary performance, dance performance. And then these guys 
who really aren't very good. They do it. They had they they do it because their daughters say, "I want you to," and it was it was really pretty sweet. That's very your kind of doc because it's positive and it's yeah, it's uh. But anyway, and turns out you're the dad of a dancer. So hey. I am the dad of a dancer. Yeah. And I'm an amateur dancer myself. <laughs> That's a kitchen and living room dancing only. Yeah. I'm only allowed <laughs> to dance if I'm alone in a room. If, if my yeah, wife yeah. sees me dancing, she just yeah. looks at me and asks me to stop. Yeah. What the hell? That's uh, yeah. I mean, you should be allowed to dance. <laughs> I should. I find myself graceful. I'm expressing right. something. Yeah, absolutely. It might be something hideous to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, she needs to put up with that. Come on. Well, she does, but also I like being on her good side. I like, I, well, yeah. you know, I think you understand. I want to be a, you know, well, anyway, yeah. not about me. So, so that's that's very cool. And as far as, uh, well, so you mentioned the other thing you're working on. Is that something? So like the one that you had the help on, do you know where that's going to end up? Uh, the project that I'm developing right now or, or yeah, or the one that you crewed up and you had. So that was, that was a, that was a four uh, part uh, docu-series for Mystic Seaport Museum. Um, they were all four or five minute um films uh, where we focus on a, 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 a different, a specific part of the museum. So we did an overarching uh, film. We did a piece about the shipyard where they restore these. Um, they worked on the Mayflower there. They were the Mayflower two, which is a replica of the, but it's been, it, it itself has been around for, I don't know, a hundred years. Um, they have a ship called the, the um, Charles W. Morgan, which is the oldest whaling vessel in the country. Um, it's 1865. It's this massive um, wooden ship. They only they work on um, only wooden boats, restored wooden boats. Um, so they have a shipyard that focuses on that. So we made a film about them. Uh, we made a film that was specifically for their donors, um, trying to like show all the new projects that this museum is doing and trying to get some fundraising. And another one about their education programs, uh, getting kids out on the water in sailboats, learning how to sail, getting a, an appreciation for uh, the maritime world. Um, so uh, so it lives on their website. They're... they're um, I think two of them right now live on their website. There's a um, third one. The donors one, I think, is just like they're targeting that specifically to people who might be interested in helping out. Um, and then the education one is, uh, I think, coming um, uh, to be to be released um, when they find a, a good time to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's where all that stuff lives. And um, yeah, it was a great experience. I, I, I don't um, know much about maritime life in the maritime world. And so, um, and all, everybody who works at this museum is, uh, it's the largest maritime museum in the country. And everybody who works there is, you know, they're all sailors they're all people. They just all love boats. They've all grown up on boats and, you know, they, you know, just the sheer fact that every boat is a she, you know, like she's, you know, she's out there now she's going to, you know, coming over to the shipyard. Um, just certain things like the, the, you know, the, the way they sort of like, um, their, their, their philosophy about being out on the water and being at sea and what it means, um, to people. Um, it was, it was enlightening, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, that's, what's great about documentaries, right? It's like you, you get to, 
in, in directing documentaries is you get to, in, uh, and this goes the same with the school in Los Angeles that I've, I've shot six films for now. Um, you get to meet and learn about something that you otherwise would not know any, you know, would, would know nothing else about, you know, like I've driven by, I'm from the East coast. I've driven by the mystic seaport museum 50 times in my life, going from Massachusetts to New York or Southern Connecticut. Um, they had never stopped by once in my life, but then you, I, I'd spend uh, 10 days there in October of 21. And, um, learning all these stories of, of the history of maritime life in, in the United States. And, um, that I, you know, just otherwise would never have known anything about, you know, whaling, what the history of whaling is and why they used to do it. And, um, why it was obviously, <laughs> I stopped why we stopped doing it. Um, but all these like heroic stories of, um, uh, you know, um, slaves who were brought over and, 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 um, the slaves who worked on, uh, boats in new England and how their histories were never told. And now the museum is trying to tell their stories about how important they were to the maritime industry. So, um, you know, it goes with, it's the same for education or learning about an old man who loves how to, loves to run long distances. You know, it's like you, you learn their stories and you, you, you start finding yourself, you're on Google, like searching about Lebanon, you know, like, where is this country? Like, <laughs> what's so, you know, why did he come here? Why did he leave Lebanon? Um, so you just, uh, that's the, you know, that's what makes it so exciting to me. You know, I mean, it's, it's so much work that goes into it. The project that I'm working on developing now, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like it's the, the, it's so dense, you know, there's so many different, things that can be spoken about that goes to this one topic, but it's uh, fascinating. You become an expert on maybe not an expert, but like, you know, like you enough, knowledgeable. You can, you, yeah. You can, you could sound like an expert <laughs> um, when you talk about the topic, because you've spent so much time in the minutia of it all, you know? Um, and that's what, that's what's so great. It's just a great learning. It's a great way to learn stuff. You know, that's what I love about it. Um, so I love commercials too. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful for all the work that I've done in commercials and, uh, you know, the filmmaking can be super fun. You can do lots of fun stuff there, but, uh, I think I'm ready, you know, like I'm not as cool as I used to be anyway. So I really, I'm not your guy anymore really for the, the, the advertising, you know, like I, I can do it, but, but, um, I'm ready to, you know, kind of dive deeper into some more, uh, content heavy, you know, sort of stories to tell. Well, what strikes me, the, I feel like the unifying thread between all this work is passion that, that you, you have a passion for, for learning and documenting things. And then you find subjects where people are, you know, whether it's a nonprofit bringing you in, but, but there's, you know, those, that the people working in the Maritime Museum are passionate about it. Yeah. Just like the people, the, the people at Repair Cafe are passionate about what they're doing. And, and, you know, you think about, I can't help but sit and think, you know, human beings without passion are, 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 are not making the most of their time or their brief time that we get on this planet. Uh, if you're not passionate about anything, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And what's great about it too, is that it's like when you, 
when you sit down and you interview somebody formally about what they do every day, um, I think there's like a renewed sense of, of excitement on their part too, right? Like you get somebody as, asking questions about you and really kind of like, you know, if you've done your homework, if I've done my homework, you know, and I, and I know, um, enough about this person that's sitting in front of me that I can, um, you know, from come from a uh, place of uh, knowledge as to like what their job is and um, what goes into the work that they're doing and um, what they have to sacrifice in order to do what they're doing. Um, they themselves become, you know, sort of re re excited about about their work, right? I think they walk away. A lot of times, people will walk away from an interview feeling as though it was uh, it was almost like a therapy session for them. Right. Because they got to really got, they're they're listening to themselves as they're talking, you know, um, they're they're hearing they're hearing their passions come out of their own mouths and they're realizing like, yeah, this is pretty cool. What I'm you know, this is pretty awesome. And like they'll tell me some story about something that happened five years ago. And they're just like, remember that story for the first time in a while. And, um, you know, that's life, right? I mean, you get to talk about your life. Somebody's interested in who you are and what you do. And I, I think that um, it's nice when you get it, when you connect with somebody and the camera goes away and you're just kind of like rapping with them, like you're at a cafe with them, um, just asking about their life story. I mean, people, if, if you care enough, I think, about the person that you're talking to, they appreciate that and it comes out. You know, and, and when you find that, when you feel that happening, it's, uh, it's a wonderful experience. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, in, a, in an indirect way, I mean, that describes this podcast, right? This, right? this podcast, people get to talk about something they're passionate about and something they care about with someone who cares about it, yeah, <laughs> who, exactly. who also cares and cares about why you're doing it and what your story is about, because this stuff is, this stuff matters to us. And it's the, what's better. I have to admit, maybe it's, it's a flaw in my character or maybe it's just humanity, but sharing the, obviously look, I don't just like watching great films and then sitting alone in a room and saying to myself, I just watched a great film. Like, <laughs> You know, I, I suffer through. I don't suffer, but but I watch you know up to eight hundred films for a festival, and and then I look at all the rankings from the jury. But I'm excited about showing those films to other people at a festival and sharing it with the world. Like it's there's there's I just find it's sharing sharing things with other people is more rewarding than just enjoying it for yourself and moving on. Yeah. And you're great at it too. Like we said before we started recording, I mean, you are, you have a, um, a, a way about you when, uh, when you had the filmmaker come down and sit with you and, and talk about the film, you, you have a great way of making them feel comfortable like that setting, whether it's the theater or the intimacy of it, or just the sitting down versus standing up. I don't know what, what it is, but, but it works really nicely. Um, and so you're obviously clearly doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, I think you might be right about the sitting. Yeah. I think it, it helps to sit nice. down and <laughs> yeah. know that you're not being rushed and know that the people sitting in those chairs that are the audience, right? The people in those 
stadium seats are are interested and, and just watched and that there's fellow filmmakers out there asking questions. Yeah, I mean it's a different vibe than than uh uh the firing squad feel that yeah. you were talking about before we started recording, where they just line up a couple of filmmakers at the front of a theater and say, Okay, hit these people with a question or two and then we'll kick them out. We'll kick everyone out and yeah, we're all sharing one microphone and we're passing it. Oh, this question is for you. Let me pass the microphone down. Yeah. And if that person happened to bring a bunch of friends, maybe they're going to get all the questions and it's going to be like your film didn't even screen. Yeah. You're right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, but the, your format is really nice. And you you clearly, like, you make everybody feel at ease. It's a very, um, it just feels very casual and you can kind of, like, kick back and chat. It's nice. You know, watching films and discussing them should be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be. Sure. Even even the 100%. right, even the difficult films uh, should be fun. Yeah, or at least uh, inspiring, or you know, rewarding, or educating. Yeah, educational. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, deep down, human beings, we are social animals. Yeah. Yeah, it pays to yeah, share. So, I mean, my my uh, my son now loves watching movies. So it's one of the one of the things that we do together as we go. So we saw Avatar this weekend. Um, you just go to the movies and and uh, and then talk about it afterwards. And it's so funny because he, uh, you know, knowing that I do this, you know, he has no interest. Right? He's not. This is not something that he, he's going to be doing. But it's like. Um, his insight is pretty amazing. You know, I have to say like, you know, he will, um, he will say something about a movie that is, uh, just very insightful for a 15 year old boy. I mean, he's maturing and mature enough to, um, you know, so a lot of times he'll say something, he'll say something to me and I'll be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I wasn't even thinking about it in that way. Um, but it's just a great, it's a great way for me to connect with him. You know, like it's a, it, it is, it is one of the best parts about movies is you can, you can spend time. I mean, I did that my entire teenage years, you know, like watching movies with friends on VHS tape. And then we would spend an hour talking about it. And then, you know, our entire high school lives were quoting movies that we liked and talking to, you know, I mean, that's, you know, a big part of my personality. It always has been. So, um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fantastic to sit down and talk to somebody about a movie, especially something that I worked on. Like I get to talk about something that I worked on and it's a movie and somebody's interested in it. It's amazing. You know, it's very cool. It's very, very cool. Funny that your son. So he's more interested in the films at the theater than, than sitting down and watching your work. Yeah. Well, he'll watch, he'll watch it. Right. And, and he has, um, it, he, he has good opinions about it. He'll, you know, I'll ask him, you know, I'll have like targeted questions. Did you get it? You know, did that make sense? Do you know where they were when they were, you know, when they were in this place? Um, but yeah, of course he'd much rather watch avatar than Greg is here. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe down the road you'll find, you'll find, uh, you know, you'll do something that totally hits his, uh, his preferences. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe I got, if I can get Steph Curry on, on, um, camera, then I, I'm, I'm a winner. I'm going to win. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> He's I, 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 I totally know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His whole generation yeah. just loves <laughs> yeah. Steph Curry. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 
Whereas I was going to joke that our 15-year-old, I wish we could discuss films, but what we tend to discuss is how hot the guys in the films are. Yeah. So so when she's like, take me to to Spider-Man, and then like the only discussion about the Spider-Man movie is, okay, there were three Spider-Men in there, and she was like, I just want you to know, Garfield's actually the hottest guy. Then, because like she was all, she was a Tom Holland girl for a while. Anyway, but I'm still game. I'm still yeah. game to talk about who who's cutest because that's what she cares about. Yeah, fair of course. enough. Yeah, yeah. No problem. You can weigh in on that. I can. <laughs> I, I was. Uh, I was. I debated her because she put Toby at number two. I'm like, nah. Tom Holland's got to be number two. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Toby's, Toby's not my kind of guy. <laughs> That's funny that she put him at two, even at her age too. That's I think it's yeah. just because she had grown tired of Tom. Tom Holland had been number one right. for years, and then she found out about the other right. spy. And of course, when now I'm just just rambling, but, but yeah, when the when that when the Spider-Man movie was coming, that we knew all three would be in together. I said, well, now we're gonna get we're gonna watch everything before we go see that. Yeah. So I believe we'd yeah. watched the Tobys already, but then we had to watch the Andrews because I think I had skipped them too. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to admit, yeah. uh, kudos to. It's pretty hot. <laughs> well, and I actually really appreciated that one. We, we talked about how we don't love superhero movies before we started recording, but at least that one was fascinating. I don't know if you saw it, but. There was just wonderful scenes where they made up for all the stupidity in the other films where they sat and discussed like, wait a minute, you don't have a web slinger? It comes right out of your skin? How does that work? And stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, and then they said, wait, you do this, yeah. you do that. And so all the differences in the films, it kind of was, uh, it was kind of nice that they acknowledged it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw it. It was good. Yeah. It was fun. It was, it was, it was, yeah. Hey, it was an admirable, at least finally someone made up for the fact of why they man it'll be pretty sad if they do that with Batman and bring back all the Batman, but right. Well, they can't do it now. They'd be ripping off Spider-Man. That's true. That's true. <laughs> there will be no multiverse of Batman. No, no, you can't do it. Although I would love uh I would love a documentary where we did a compare and contrast of every Batman. Not really. I'll take it back. Yeah, I, I think you could do a podcast on that. Probably, probably do it pretty well. You know, better instinct. Really See, that's that. the producer in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there is there anything we should we should mention before we uh, before we sign off? I know, I know. Uh, once once I'm making Batman jokes, I should probably uh, stop <laughs> wasting your time. Um. I can't think of anything. Um, you know, I always appreciate talking to you. It's always great to to see you and, and catch up. Um, um, you know, for me, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, you know, which is, uh, searching for stories that, um, that interests me and something that I can, uh, sink my teeth into. A lot of times I, um, I'll start down a road and it just won't, it'll dead end and, and it'll be over. Um, whether that's because the I've lost interest or the, the person, the contributors, um, have lost interest or there's some sort of legality to it that I can't hurdle over. Um, 
but uh but i'm just gonna keep doing it because it's something that i you know now have the bandwidth to do um and uh you know i would encourage anyone to um to do it also if it's something that they're interested in. And I'm, I'm always happy to, if you have listeners who are aspiring to make movies or, or, or have already made movies and want to talk to me about something, it's always great to talk to peers or people who are coming up or people who I can learn from. Um, so, um, my, my, Information is all over my webpage. Um, so anybody who wants to read smile-films.com, anybody who wants to connect with me can always connect. Um, be happy to talk. And uh, Are you smile-films? Like, uh, do you do the social media thing or you don't, you don't, um, not, not real, just personal stuff. Really? Uh, yeah, no, it's really just the website. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, in the show notes for this podcast, we'll have smile-films.com be a clickable, clickable link as well as repaircafe.com dot org dot org. Might yes. as well do that. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, great. Thank you. All right. I'll, I will wrap us up by saying Brett Nicoletti. Thank you so much. You, uh, you are responsible for two absolutely delightful and, uh, entertaining and inspiring documentaries so i certainly recommend people watch them and geez many ways to watch them but i will recommend two which is number one if you go to amazon prime video and search for discover indie film uh if people can watch your most recent one greg is here in season seven episode five i did not look up the first one but i god i bet i bet uh I bet Running Man of Pasadena is probably in season three or four. I think that would check I'm, out. I'm not sure. I, wonder, I was almost going to say season one because I feel like you were just getting going, but maybe you already had it had it running at that point. You might be right, and and maybe I should just like blab on for a second while I try to find it because I can I can actually do a search. All right. Well, anyway, if you want to learn, I'm going to search for that, but. Because uh, luckily, I just have to type the word "running man" into the discoverindiefilm.com website. Which, of course, hey, if you want to learn more about this podcast or the TV series it gave birth to, that is uh, discoverindiefilm.com, and on social media, it's at DIF Wins. Brett, you're almost right. Uh, running Man of Pasadena is in season two, episode seven. So uh, two okay, seven and then so seven. So we were happy. You were nice. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And the other people, yeah. other way people can watch it is if you go to watchhightv.com. That's H-I-T-V. Uh, that is a new, by the way, there's a free one-week trial if you want to watch stuff for free. But but hopefully you'll stick around. High TV is a smart TV app and streaming service that is all feel-good films that are everything is well made and then if you want if you are the kind of person who can responsibly enjoy marijuana in a legal or responsible way i guess there are responsible ways that are not legal if you are living somewhere where it's not legal lord knows but it keeps adding i i I keep seeing headlines like new york state just finally like their last hurdle crossed over but anyway i'm not a super weed guy but i'm a super film guy and these are super films to watch, high or not. So if you go to watchhightv.com, there's a documentary section uh, where both of Brett's films can be seen. 
And I will wrap it up. I mean, we did mention how Brett's films were both at Film Invasion Los Angeles. We hold that festival every June, and it's filminvasionla.com, and it's at Film Invasion LA on social media. And the sister festival we hold every November is the Sherman Oaks Film Festival, shermanoaksff.com, and at shermanoaksff on social media. And I think I've said everything I'm supposed to. And I guess after we stop recording, you'll tell me if I messed up and called you Greg one more time. But I think I've called you Brett most of the time since my. I I think you now you got it. You got it. I got it. I know. I know (laughs) your name. It was just uh, like you said, it's the the single syllable. You should call me Greg in the next podcast. I'm telling you, it happens. People I've introduced myself as I've introduced myself as Brett to people before face to face. And they've said, Greg. And this is way before Greg is here became really? even an idea in my head. Yeah. Oh, for so me, it was just just the screw up of like reading the title and then having it stuck in my head. Yeah, that, that makes it even harder. Oh, so hard. I have such a hard job here. All right. Well, anyway, yeah, that was sarcasm. I swear to God, I don't consider this hard. This is a lot of fun talking to people like yourself. So, Brett, thank you so much. And I'm going to thank, thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening.